You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father James Scholl, and I would like to continue my uh, presentations on the uh, uh, beginning of political philosophy. And I wish to add a third session on St. Augustine. This is a rather long session uh, because it deals with his uh, position on war and on heresy, really. Uh, these are the last two chapters and conclusion of the Dean book, The Political and Social Ideas of St. Augustine. The teaching of Augustine on war, I suppose, marks the difference between ideologues, uh, ideologies and realism. This is a sober chapter in the Dean book, but probably needs to be read against the background of the question of Aristotle, in what difference, in what direction does political change go? To fight any war will have dire consequences but so will not to fight a war. For Augustine, the question is not the fact of fighting, but the fact of justice and injustice, and what, if anything, we do about it. Dean is to the point. In none of the writings of Augustine on the subject of war can we find a trace of militarism or of glorification of the struggle uh, that states and uh, groups wage against each other with so much uh, ferocity. Almost every one of his references to civil or international war is bitterly sorrowful, and he always, uh, as Dean says on page 154, he always remembers the suffering and the misery of war that war brings in its wake, especially for those who are innocent victims, at the end of the quote. I suppose this means that war has, the, has to be uh, faced without um, sentiment, but not without compassion and understanding of what it is. Again, I have tried to suggest that this book is especially good because it does not allow us to think of war or any political question as if it did not have a theological and personal background out of which wars arise. Quote St. Augustine, or Zadine, he says, Wars are inevitable as long as men and their societies are moved by avarice, greed, and lust for power the permanent uh, drives of sinful men. It is, therefore, self-delusion uh, and folly to expect that a time will uh, ever come in this world when wars will cease and men will beat their swords into plowshares. And the latter phrase, as we know, is from Isaiah. <clears throat> now, there are people who 
periodically uh, propose theories of a world without war. Such people, significantly, only exist in free societies that have uh, uh, protected their freedom by war. Uh, there are two lines of thinking on this. A, a tyranny will be a world without war, and here no one can resist a world tyrannical power, or B, men will have radically changed so that they no longer experience avarice, greed, lust, and lustful power. It is well to recall uh, those who have taken some uh, international relations classes or read, say, Hobbes, that most power theories of the state assume more or less this Augustinian description of the inevitability of war. Hobbes knew of Augustine. What is uh, proposed is uh, some power to uh, lessen or cancel it, uh, more or less what Augustine proposed in chapter 4 about the uh, need for uh, a state uh, in the first place. That's chapter 4 of the Dean book. What does one do with all uh, that religious utopian found at the end of Isaiah or the Apocalypse? The most important thing is to understand about Augustine, I think, is that he does not deny the validity uh, of this longing for a, a peaceful world. The question is, where is it to be placed? Augustine, without thinking that the things might get worse, thinks that the prospect uh, of the perfect regime will uh, uh, never be located in a political regime, however it is called, so that the notion that there will be a peaceable world is a valid one in Augustine, but its location is not the result of some political power. What about the argument that God created or allowed man to be greedy and therefore God is responsible? As Dean says on page 174, quote, War is not the doing of God. It is rooted in the, in the war that rages within every uh, man between flesh and spirit. Thus, war is a work of men and not that which is considered uh, uh, desirable by them. Nevertheless, uh, wars, like all other human uh, actions, uh, no matter how evil or unjust, do not escape the net of divine providence of God, just as God does not uh, force men to sin at the end of the quote. For Augustine, wars do not cause uh, internal disorder, but internal disorders in men cause wars. Therefore, which is a platonic doctrine, of course, therefore our main effort needs to be to uh, need to be internal or self-attention uh, to what is disordered in ourselves, in our own souls. 
most of the wars that are waged uh, as Dean says, 157. Most of the wars that are waged between states are in no sense just. They are internecine quarrels within the worldly city, at the end of the quote. And on page 197, he says, It is possible, however, that even if the war is not just, one side may be more or less unjust. The alternative is not necessarily a pox on both of you houses. The other side of the uh, of this follows. Always, Augustine regards war as the and bloodshed at, uh, it entails as uh, dire calamities, even if the war is just and necessary. The end of the quote. One might prove uh, his point by walking across the river in, in Washington, at least, and going through the Arlington Cemetery, or the Cemetery of the Civil War, uh, uh, and wondering uh, what it is that you see there, the, the uh, Union dead for the most part, although there's some Confederate dead there also. The, uh, as he says on page 60, the objective to be sought in a just war is not conquest, glory, or wealth, but rather the uh, punishment of those who have committed injustices and injuries, uh, compelling them to make uh, restitution for the wrongs that they have done. At the end of the quote. Note that Dean says, what Dean says about the pacifist on page 161, and especially uh, the Augustine citation, which uh, page 161, which goes, what is the charge uh, brought against war? Is it that some men who will in any case die sooner or later are killed so as to establish order for people uh, who will live in peace? To make such a charge is to, uh, is to talk not of religious minds, but of timorous minds, I would say, the end of the quote, so that if you think that uh, you're going to live forever anyway, uh, or you're not going to ever die, then you might as well not enter into these uh, problems about wars in this world. In this regard, uh, probably the best statement of this position in modern times is that of C.S. Lewis in his uh, uh, book or his essay called Why I Am Not a Pacifist, which is found in The Weight of Glory, a book not to be missed. Anarchy and uh, open flouting of the rules of human society are the worst evils, the dean says, on page 161. We always need at least to imagine what might be worse even while seeking what is better. One of the sources of just war theory is Augustine, who relies on Cicero uh, for the foundation. Augustine talks uh, of 
who declares war and the fighting of the war and the quorum. And see the three uh, basic principles uh, found on page 162 of the Dean. Modern editions, while often uh, help, are helpful, are more, are no more than spelling out of the Augustinian position. I am inclined to stick with the minimum number of statements that Augustine and Aquinas in uh, Secunda Secundae 40, uh, uh, which is his treatise on war, found. Notice that Dean says of obedience, or what Dean says in obedience on page 165. We often <clears throat> tend to make the one uh, who disobeys the hero and not the one who obeys. He says in page 167, uh, quote, Augustine agrees with Cicero when uh, uh, Cicero's view that a state must engage in war if it is necessary in order to uh, preserve its existence and to prevent destruction. So solus publice suprema lex, so the well-being of the people is the highest law. Meditate on this proposition. Quote, in this world of sin, imperfection, and suffering, men and states are sometimes confronted with difficult choices, and they cannot refuse to choose because they do not like either one of the alternatives. Quote. Note, refusing to choose uh, is a choice every bit as much as choosing. This or that choosing this or that alternative. You might also recall what Socrates said. Uh, he went to he went to war, but he returned and uh, but he refused to do what was wrong. So you can, there are things that you can do which are wrong even in a just war. As the Dean says in page 169, after the destruction of the great arrival of Rome Carthage, the removal of fear and anxiety led, as Scipio has uh, feared, to a decline in the morals of the Romans and to a weakness of the bonds of internal uh, concord, so that sedition and bloody civil wars followed in rapid succession." Not a few thought uh, this happened after the fall of uh, communism also. I think Fukuyama's book on the end of history was sort of uh, within this line. The argument would be that war makes discipline uh, necessary. It is not clear that, say, 9-11 did not have some similar effect. Remember that Augustine was a member of the Roman Empire and was proud of its achievement, however much he saw its faults. It is better to live in the best of the worst than in the worst of the worst, if that is all that there is available to us. So it's better to live in a bad state, which isn't the worst, 
So remember that Aristotle says that the difference between the democracy and oligarchy and tyranny that there are worse and worse uh, more worse states. As he said in 171, however, if there were to be a world empire, it would have been uh, both for the Romans and for the people that they conquered had the advantage of, uh, of unity and common laws been imposed upon, uh, been imposed with consent uh, of the nations uh, concerned rather than by conquest and slaughter. So you could have a, a nation which is good by conquest or which is bad by conquest or one which is ordered by freedom or disordered by freedom. In many ways, Rome was the fairest of the ancient states, even though it had much wrong with it. He, this awareness is part of what we call realism. So the next chapter, chapter six in the Dean book, is called Church, State, and Heresy. Uh, in a, um, it is a uh, review of the early efforts to provide a place uh, for the church in society. Quote, he says on, on page 173, the state is a physical authority which operates through force and fear, while the church is a moral authority which operates through teaching and ministrations of the sacraments. The penance that Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, and the uh, uh, and the uh, mentor of Augustine uh, had imposed upon the emperor Theodosius uh, for his uh, uh, massacre of the Th uh, Thessalonians had made it clear to Augustine that not even the emperor had was immune from being coerced by ecclesiastical discipline for the violation of moral laws. The point was that uh, the emperor was held in account for what he did that was wrong. This is the question. Is there any power above the emperor or the king or the Supreme Court and so forth? And if so, how does it operate? Here we have a further uh, beginning on the question how to limit political power. Essential to understanding what is going on here and other, uh, and other books uh, will bring this out the same manner up is what was the Donatist heresy? So the Donatist heresy was an was a early heresy, uh, which caused a certain amount of uh, um, fanaticism, one would have to say, uh, which brought up the question of the power of the state versus a uh, fanatic, a very contemplative, contemporary problem. Actually, it is a surprisingly contemporary problem, as I say. It is easier today with suicide bombers and so forth to appreciate 
of the final view of Augustine that was even a um, decade uh, that was a decade ago. World War II had seemed to confirm the view of Augustine that some wars had to be fought in justice. So not to have fought World War II, it seems in retrospect, would have been terribly wrong. The present situation seems to make us wonder if we can simply uh, ignore the uh, internal motivations and beliefs of those uh, who threaten us uh, on the grounds that anyone is free to hold whatever he wants. The Donatists uh, were also a very pious group. In North Africa, where Augustine uh, lived, he had done everything he could to pacify them. They seemed to go around in bands and attack and kill people who uh, had uh, who had failed to practice the church. So the Donatist heresy was that you could not uh, uh, sin twice, you couldn't be forgiven, and therefore you couldn't have any ecclesiastical power if you did. The issue, therefore, was a narrow one. That is, it had to do with the theological notion of forgiveness, uh, which, no doubt, we are all uh, in favor of. The Donatists held that anyone who denied his faith during the persecution of the Romans could not be forgiven or exercise ecclesiastical power. Quote, as he says in page 181-182, the Dean. The Donatists claimed to be rigorist uh, in uh, matters of church discipline. They insisted that visible church should be a church of uh, pure, uh, that is to say, that it is possible as well as desirable to exclude from the church anyone who was guilty of sinful or immoral conduct. The orthodox doctrine is that the church is composed of those who are often sinful and need to repent. The ultimate division is not in this world, though what we do is what makes ultimate difference in accepting or refusing grace. In practice, they tended to focus most of their attention on one aspect of morality. How had believers behaved during the persecution in the early centuries of the, of the early fourth century of the church? If members of that church had compromised in any way uh, with the guilty of uh, uh, tradition, the surrender of the sacred uh, scriptures uh, to the authorities, so if they'd given over these to the authorities, they had irrevocably cut themselves off from the Christian community. That was the Donatist position. And any priest or bishop who has, was guilty of uh, uh, violating these things or of any other sin lost power to administer and validly the sacraments, really important. 
It is the standard Catholic doctrine that the validity of the sacrament does not depend on the internal holiness or sinlessness of the priest or bishop. This is not a license to do what one wants, but on the other hand, but on whether the sacrament itself is properly administered is the only in its own form. Uh, opere operato is the famous Latin uh, expression on this point. So remember, <clears throat> your freedom and dignity uh, often depend, as Christians once said, on the uh, accurate definition of minute points of doctrine. And since the internal sinfulness or holiness of anyone, priest included, is not is not visible. Let us say it's known only to God, as Aquinas pointed out in the treatise on the law. There could be no uh, visible church or on the Donatist principle, and this is why it is a heresy and a dangerous one. As Dean says on page 183, Augustine did not rest his case against the Donatists only on the factual ground. He leveled a fundamental attack on their conception of the church of, uh, of the pure and their view that the validity of the sacraments, um, the seven sacraments, depended solely upon the moral purity of the individual priest or bishop who administered them. Since the visible church was uh, and would always uh, be a mixture of good and evil men, it was impossible and blasphemous uh, to attempt to make a final uh, separation of the good and the wicked before the end of the world and the last judgment. Of course, church discipline has to be uh, maintained and uh, overt and um, notorious sinners had to be uh, corrected and, if necessary, expelled from the church. But this did not mean that this was that in this world any group of men could take upon themselves the uh, responsibility of separating God's elect from the sinners and of uh, setting themselves up as a church of pure and of pure and holy, the end of the quotation. This is a surprisingly pertinent passage, is it not? I sometimes think that Nietzsche was scandalized because he wanted to find a church of the pure, and when he did not find the one that he actually was actually there, uh, oh, and we found the one that was actually there, he preferred to reject the church and to impose his own alternative theory, namely the world to power. The general discussion of the Donatists and Augustine here is that somehow he uh, ceased being a sort of criticism of Augustine, he ceased being a liberal because he finally decided that the Donatists had to be coerced. Jean Elstein in her book 
on the just and rules of power. Others will take a different view here. I think that Augustine is better seen in the light of people who like the uh, terrorists or the folks in the, in the shooting of Waco or other kind of atrocities uh, would not change their mind uh, that justified uh, some sort of attack on uh, others uh, whom they uh, define as evil. So the main cause is their ideas. The only way that a terrorist or some such uh, will not uh, be a, a dangerous is A, to shoot him, or B, uh, lock him up uh, for life with no uh, uh, communication. Mafia leaders, as you recall, run their syndicate often from jail, or C, force or get them to change their mind somehow. Ultimately, in Augustine's terms, any change will still have to be with free will, even under pressure. Uh, many governments today allow no effective uh, religious freedom, so that the only uh, practical alternative is to conform uh, to the state-sponsored one or the uh, second-class citizen. Another heresy, the Pelagians came up on page, on page 211. And this is another ancient but a recurring heresy in the church. It is basically from an English monk and effectively denies the need of man for uh, salvation uh, from outside of himself. Much of the New Age spirituality is Pelagian in that sense. <clears throat> we have followed uh, the path by which Augustine moved from his original view that the church must deal with um, a systematic uh, and heretic only by argument and, and uh, uh, persuasion and not by threats of uh, uh, state coercion. Uh, to the uh, transitional position that the church has a right to ask the political authority for protection against acts of violence committed by some of the uh, members of the donative sect, and finally to uh, the position that the church had to the duty as well as the right uh, to ask the state to punish heretics and systematics per se. While, uh, while Christian kings had an obligation to use their power to uh, protect and support uh, the church against heresy and schism. No strong church, least of all the vigorous Catholic church of Western Europe in the fifth century, would uh, permit secular rulers to decide for themselves these uh, issues of doctrine and organization, things that were not of Caesar's. In this area, at least, the state 
and its officials. He came, therefore, auxiliaries to the church and its officers. The leaders of the church, uh, by their own procedures and deliberations, uh, determined what is orthodox and what is unorthodox. The political authorities are reduced uh, to the status of the secular arm. This coercive uh, instrument uh, by which the ecclesiastical uh, decisions are enforced upon dissent and uh, recalcitrant members. Uh, that's page 216. He says on page 216, quote, is there a fundamental inconsistency between the view in which Augustine was driven by the exigencies of the struggle against nonatives, that is, that Christian rulers have the obligation as well as the right to punish those whom the church discovers to be heretics or systematic, and in general, that it is the duty of the Christian king to serve God by making and enforcing laws uh, to prevent sinful men from offering insults to, to God's majesty and to protect and uh, promote true religion. And Augustine's general theory of the nature and function of the state. He says it is imperfect, though essential. The state is an imperfect, though essential organization made necessary by the fall of men, whose primary purpose, the state's primary purpose, is to guarantee by the use of ex external uh, uh, instruments of coercion uh, and fear of punishment, the maintenance of earthly peace, security, and justice. Now, the answer of the of Dean uh, to his own question on page 217 is this. Dean thinks there is some kind of contradiction, page 219, uh, without ever telling us uh, what to do about the fanatic on the principle of uh, uh, on the principle of contradiction? I am impressed uh, with the conclusion of uh, Dean. Quote: Few men uh, have seen as clearly as Augustine the inherent limitations and inadequacies of the political process. The instruments available to the state are rough and crude. It never has the uh, uh, knowledge of uh, facts or motive that it really needs uh, as it makes its way, as its decision and renders its verdict. It acts always through the agency of fallible men. It always acts through the agency I did not go into the discussion of Dean on the definition of the state in uh, the city of God. Uh, what, he, um, what he does with Cicero's famous definition of the state uh, 
as not just any body of men, but one joined together by a sense of interest and justice. If you recall, Cicero was on duty uh, from the earlier in this discussion. Uh, you will recall that these two elements were reconciled by Cicero. When the city of God was written, it was to answer the charge that Christianity was uh, what was responsible for the decline of the fall of Rome. Augustine answered the charge by his book, The City of God. Uh, but he also touches on the uh, state and uh, replaces, in Cicero's definition, the word justice with the word love, so that what binds us together is not justice but love. And Augustine holds that Rome was never, by classical definition, uh, of its own greatest philosopher, a true city. You see more of this in the city of God. But briefly, a Bond, a band of robbers is following a story in Alexander the Great uh, held together by a common desire or love of a good. Love is principally, love in principle can be indifferent to good or evil. The conclusion of the Dean book is worth much meditation. Quote, uh, page 221. The central theme of Augustine's realism and political theory is realistic, so Augustinian political realism of Augustine's realistic political theory is that the state exists uh, to maintain earthly peace so that men can live and work together and attain the objects that are necessary for their earthly existence. The state accomplishes its purpose primarily through the use of coercion and the fear of punishment. The two major defects of fallen men are one, perversity of will, and two, ignorance. And he continues, quote, from page 222. The thought of Augustine has no place for the vision of a uh, politics of perfection in which all wise rulers uh, devise truly good and lasting <clears throat> solutions for the social problem and in which uh, contended subjects live together in a stable harmony. Politics is a realm in which Fallible, sinful men work out, uh, work out, and perfect, uh, precarious solutions to recurring difficulties and tensions. And he continues on page two twenty-three: the instruments which the state employs to discover crimes and uh, to punish criminals are often morally repugnant and cruel. Uh, informers, spies, and the rat, 
and uh, the noose. And at the center of even the well-regulated state uh, stands the grim figure of the executioner at the end of the comment, page 23. So note the chapters on, uh, you might notice the, uh, the chapter in my book on Jacques Maritain, the philosopher in the city, the chapter called Justice, Brains, and Strength, uh, Machiavelli and the modern political philosophers. So we'll come fairly soon to Machiavelli, and who is a sort of a parody, a way of, of Augustine on, the, on the, this issue of realism. The state is necessary for Augustine. Quote on page 23. The uh, conclusion of Augustine agree with one of the uh, important strands in the Christian attitude towards the state. It is a divinely established institution to repress and punish the wicked and its rulers who are, who are ordained by God and are uh, ministers of his wrath and the terror of, and uh, terror to evil doers in report. He continues on page 224, the first and most obvious change uh, that Augustine insisted uh, on not only that Christians might take part in the political activities without violating the commands of Christ, so that, so that Christians would almost for the first time Augustine could take a positive case, but also that they held a position, uh, a positive duty to participate in the state, uh, in the state's work of uh, governance, adjudication, uh, punishment, and uh, warfare, if they had the talent uh, uh, that fitted them for these duties. Some early Christians just wanted uh, to wait for the second coming. <clears throat> Augustine represents uh, the first step in uh, dealing with uh, the in-between time, between the last time and now. So what Dean says about the relation of, of the admonition to turn the other cheek and the powers of the state is worth speaking on page 225. And Dean holds that there is a kind of deviation in Christian views away from those of the early church towards a more worldly way of living in the city. There are those who always want to reform the church uh, by having to uh, go back to the early church simplicity. Uh, much of the Reformation and the evangelical tradition are about this. The Catholic view was that Christians were uh, intended to live in this world and that what was left was not just scripture and and primitive practice, uh, but living a living authority to judge uh, what was proper uh, in, in various times according to the principles of reason and the gospel. It is not difficult to see why Augustine's political realism, remember this 
phrase uh, received little attention and no further development in the centuries that followed his death. When the downfall of the Western Empire and its replacement by the series of, of uh, stable and shifting of barbarian kingdoms, the church and its hierarchy became the only visible unifying force in the West. With each passing century, the church became more and more involved in the temporal affairs, and not only was she a temporal power in her own right, the papal states, uh, which the Vatican uh, as a state is a tiny uh, successor, uh, it was held that the Pope uh, should not, uh, in theory or in practice, uh, be subject to another monarch, but he, but her bishops and other leaders were deeply involved in governance of uh, politics, both as royal officials and as virtually independent feudal monarchies or magnates. For almost a thousand years, no state in Western Europe possessed anything that even resembled the power and authority of the Roman Empire. And at some uh, periods, the state almost ceased to exist as an entity independent of and superior to the complex network of private rights uh, that we call feudalism. The political order was neither strong enough nor sure enough uh, to stand uh, a much realistic examination. So Dean, Dean, that's Dean's summary of kind of what happened at the end. This, in general, is what, in summary, uh, medieval political uh, theory is about on its descriptive side. Harold Berman, in his book, The Law and Revolution, The Evolution of Western Legal Tradition, uh, which was published by Harvard in 83, argues that almost all legal instruments of the modern state uh, originally appeared in canon and law and papal law and practice. As, he, as Dean says on page 233, Augustine's central political insight, the idea of a politics of imperfection, note that phrase, uh, a necessary consequence of human sinfulness and his profound awareness of the inevitable limitations of a, a coercive political order were obscured under the impact of the succession of the, uh, of the sanctification of the state uh, by theocratic doctrines, as well as by the revival of classical view that the state is the organization uh, intended to promote the good life in this world and to produce good and vigorous men. Although this classical <coughs> uh, conception of the state never uh, reappeared in its full force, uh, some of its elements were combined with traditional Christian political doctrines when St. Thomas 
incorporated uh, important aspects of Aristotelian thought into the great philosophical synthesis in the quote on page 233. As Dean continues, page 234, the task of reviving the tradition of political realism and of uh, looking once again at the darker side of political life was left to thinkers of another revolutionary age, the period of war and conflict in which the medieval order disintegrated and gave way to the modern world. That is saying Machiavelli, Luther, Calvin, and, and Babo Hobbes. The Lutheran and Calvinist views of human nature and of political authority carry clear marks of their Augustinian origin, and it is difficult to believe that Hobbes, uh, Hobbes' theories were not influenced directly or indirectly by Augustine's pessimism and realism. The previous two paragraphs are good summaries of the content and direction of political theory. Modern thought, be it noted, begins in a kind of pessimism. Again, recall the essays on Augustine and Machiavelli on, on my website. The task of the state, then, is to maintain peace by employing uh, its uh, uh, overwhelming powers of coercion to hold in check the warring, the warring aspirations of selfish men. On page 235. So you might continue to read the uh, remarks that uh, uh, Dean cites on page 236 on uh, the purpose of the state. The notion that uh, consent is the sole uh, basis of modern thought, uh, as opposed to the good, is uh, an important thing to realize. Augustine is known for his uh, uh, elevation of the notion of peace. And peace is discussed in the city of God. Uh, and um, uh, it is uh, actually uh, Augustine's notion that the end is the end result uh, of something and not uh, uh, something that you can uh, kind of use. That it's the result of living well. It's the tranquility of order, as he said. The keen sense of Augustine of the perpetual power of human pride and sinfulness uh, compelled him to reject any hope of that the future would bring enduring peace or progress in this world, on page 241. Again, this is the basis of the anti-utopianism in Augustine, the habitual suspicion uh, uh, of any promise of some political or or um, economic or psychological formula uh, by which everything can be cured. And speaking of contemporary furnace of Augustine, Dean writes on page 242, For like Augustine, we have learned that greed, pride, uh, aggressiveness, and hatred are not simply characteristic of other men and other states. 
we know that since these impulses dwell in each of us and in our society, we too are capable of translating them into action uh, once the pressure, uh, pressures acting upon us uh, rise beyond a certain level, as we referred to. And this is well a considered conclusion of being. So this is it. Quote on page 243. My argument is not that grim realism is only the only viable political and social doctrine uh, for our age, or that Augustine version of the of the close as the closest approximation to his truth. I say only that it is only that it is in our area of war, terror, and sharp anxiety about man's future. Uh, when again a major epoch in human history may be drawing to a close, and we cannot afford to ignore Augustine's sharply edged dark portrait of the human existence on page 243. The final Latin uh, words cited in the text are that those who have too little or too much uh, pardon me, but let those who have enough join me in thanking not me but God. From this passage is from book 22, uh, chapter 30 of the City of God. And this is what Augustine said uh, of the diligent and patient readers uh, of that long text. Dean charmingly applies this to his own work. I did not touch much in detail on the meaning of pride, uh, uh, the ultimate disorder of the soul, uh, which, according to tradition, lies at the root of sin and disorder. Pride literally means that we place ourselves above super, all superbia in Latin, above all things. This means that we do not allow anything to come into our own world except our own terms, on our own terms. It is not so much that we uh, uh, save ourselves, but that we do not need saving. This topic uh, is the one that uh, Augustine uh, comments on. The end of the comment on Augustine of Moore and uh, Harrison. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.